0: So as we wrap up this series on prayer, I want to begin with a verse that comes from Luke 5 chapter uh, verse 16. So Luke 5:16 here is a statement that is said about Jesus. It says but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And the reason why I'm starting with that verse is, I just want to remind you, as we're concluding this series on prayer, Jesus prayed. And there's a reason he prayed, and there's a reason we should pray. And so one of the reasons that we pray is because Jesus prayed. And so we want to be like him. We want to be followers of him. In fact, I titled the message, To Be Like Him. That the reason, ultimately, you and I engage in prayer, and if you missed any of these talks, you can go back online and listen to them. But ultimately, the reason that you and I are in to pray is simply to become more like him. That's the whole thing. When you go to pray, it's not about all your requests. It's about you becoming more like Christ. It's Him shaping you into His image. And that's why prayer is so important. And that's why prayer is necessary if you want to become like Christ and grow in Christ. Prayer is essential. Not making your requests, but ultimately, satisfying and fulfilling His will, not yours. We've talked about so many of these things, and I could unpack and re-preach everything, and some of you be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So go back, listen to the series. And I encourage you to understand that prayer is ultimately about where you become like Christ. So Jesus prayed often, and then John records for us a time when Jesus prayed after praying for his disciples in John 17. We're going to unpack John 17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 17. We'll put it on the screen as well. John 17, verse 20 is where we're going to start. John, or Jesus has just finished praying specifically for his disciples. He first starts off with, Father, would you glorify your son? Then he goes in and he prays for his specific disciples that are there. They're going to carry out the message. And then, in verse 20, he prays for you. Jesus actually prayed for you before you were ever even on this earth. He prayed for you, and he lifts a prayer. And I just want you to know what's really cool about this is you get the privilege of reading and seeing what Jesus said when he was praying for to the, in this moment of time in history, he was praying for you. Wrap your head around that, and you get to like be a part of that conversation between him and the Father, and we get the privilege of seeing his prayer for us. So verse 20, here's what Jesus said. My prayer is not for them alone, that being his disciples. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me. That's you. That's me. If you believe in him, that is you. Jesus was praying for you. He says, through their message, that all of them, here's the prayer, may be one. So he's praying that we would be in harmony. We'd be in one. We'd be unity. And he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's pretty close. He wants us all to be in this perfect unity. And then he says, may they also be in us. And the reason I want them to have unity is so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So my heart is ultimately on the world. Everyone say the world. The world. world. Now everyone say everyone in the world. And then I want you to ask yourself, ask your neighbor the question, you mean everyone? No, no, really. All those people? Go ahead. You mean all those people? You mean that guy? You mean her? Okay, Jesus said, the reason I'm making this prayer is for all the world. Okay, so the world, the world, wrap your head around that. The world, every human in the world. Okay, Every president, every person, all the people, all the bosses, all the neighbors that you can't despise. He says, I'm praying for them too. Now, what he's praying is what? That they would believe in me. That they would know you. They would know me. They would know this relationship. And he makes this prayer. This is a remarkable statement when you think about it. Because Jesus is essentially giving the world, watch this, permission to judge the validity of his ministry. Watch this. Based on the unity of his people. Did you catch that? I want you to think about this. He is literally praying and he's giving the the permission for the world to know him through the way his followers interact with one another. The world has a right to judge you as believers in the context of This is how they're going to know me. By the way you love one another. It's a massive responsibility. It should change the way we treat one another. Did Jesus say one of the greatest commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself? Unity among God's people helps the world to believe That the Father actually sent the Son. What a wonderful responsibility. And yet, a weight in some ways. The idea that unity of God's people would display to the world that Jesus was truly sent from God was so important to Jesus that he actually prays the same thing again in the next two verses. He repeats the prayer. Verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Father, he says, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. It's like repetition right here. This is my heart being exposed to you, Father. Oh, yeah. Why, Dad? Because then the world will know that you sent me. And have loved them, even as you have loved me. I want the world to know how you loved me. And I want them to experience that love too. And the way they're going to know that love that you have for me is by the way that they love one another. And so I'm praying that all barriers... From denominations, yes, Baptists, you need to love the Catholics, and Catholics, you need to love the Presbyterians. And yes, you Spirit-filled, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, hooting and hollering people, need to be loved by the Baptists and the Lutherans. That through your unity, can I just say this to you? You are all on the same ground under the cross. Don't you think your denomination is a little closer to Jesus? No, we got the Spirit. We are closer. No, you are not. At the end of the day, you will kneel on the same ground I will. Amen. Jesus actually prayed that the church would be one. Unity. And through unity, the world would know His love. For his son and his children, you. By the way you interact with one another. Wow. Now praying that unity among generations of believers to come would also demonstrate to the world that Jesus loves his people and loves them after the pattern of God, the Father's love for God the Son. It's as if Jesus gave permission, the world permission, To doubt both his mission and his love, if the world does not see unity and love among the believers. It's fascinating when you think about it. That the reason why the world may not know Christ is because the way the body loves one another really loves one another. Nothing is more hard to see than when the very body of Christ gossips about its own body or speaks ill of God's wife or bashes a church or a pastor or leader who isn't fitting their mold. How that actually destroys the unity of the body, which ultimately prohibits people coming to know the very love you claim to have. And then in verse 24, 26, he concludes his prayer. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. I'm praying that they would come where I'm coming, where I'm going. I pray they'd sit at that table, if you can imagine him saying that, and to see my glory. I want them to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Verse 25, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, that you have sent me. 26, I have made you known to them. It's part of where our purpose statement comes from, by the way. I have made you known when you leave every Sunday. There's a sign that says, go make him known. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Can we get that in our DNA, brave? Because that is our purpose statement. Can you just say, make him known? Make him known. To make you known. And the reason, Father, I want to make you known is so that the love you have for me may be in them. I want you, Father, to answer this prayer of mine because I want you to love in the way, I want them to know your love for me. Like, I I want that love to be in them. I want them to know how it is to be loved by Jesus. I want them to know how much you love them. It's incredible. And that I myself, Keyline, may be in them. I am praying that the very spirit that you gave me, which we call the Holy Spirit, the very spirit that you put inside of me, I pray that would be in them. That spirit. that Spirit has all kinds of gifts to it that many of us think about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But what did Paul say right in chapter 13? The greatest remarkable thing that that Spirit gives you and gives me a dedicated entire chapter to it, love. What good is it if you have all these gifts that the Spirit gives you but have not Love. I propose to you today, when Jesus was praying in John 17, he wasn't just praying that you'd be filled with the Spirit so that you could prophesy, although I think he does want us to prophesy, but that you would have love and that you would know his love. Because when you know his love and his love actually consumes you, the love you will extend to others will reveal his love to that person. It's a conduit. It's a channel. Do you know how much Jesus, the Father, the Son, and His Spirit love you? That was His prayer. That we would know the love of God. And Jesus prayed that His disciples would not only be filled with love. The love that God had for His Son, but they'd have the indwelling presence of Jesus in themselves. What would it be like to have the same spirit that Jesus had? Just imagine, and this is certainly biblically true, just imagine, though, actually living in a way that the spirit that Jesus had in him residing in you. How would you treat your spouse today? Think about it. Now, you have his spirit in you as a believer in Christ. You have the Spirit available to you. How would you worship? If you worshiped in the way that if Jesus' Spirit could somehow leave you, leave Him, and then like come in you, what would your worship look like? What would your faith look like? What would your love look like for humanity? This is what Jesus prayed. That His Spirit, that He would be in you. Just imagine that. It's incredible when you think about it. Jesus loves us way too much, though, to just pray for you. How easy it is in our world today. Whenever somebody goes through something hard or tragic, we have these famous words that we love to say. And even Christians say them. And we have emojis And sometimes that's all we send is the emoji. Come on, y'all. Come on. Everybody put their hands together. Okay. When was the last time you prayed like that anyways? It's like the most awkward emoji. Okay. I wish this was the emoji for prayer. Come on, Jesus. You know? Amen. Yet we've somehow, this is what we do. It's a horrible representation of prayer. We say to people, I will keep you. Come on. Participate online. I'll keep you in my, in my prayers. And some of us add the word thoughts, right? I'll keep my thoughts and prayers. Which, by the way, don't even go together. I'll keep you in my thoughts. Mental, physical, and I'll keep you in the spiritual. What? Anyways, I'll keep my thoughts and prayers, which is a whole nother, just weird. That doesn't make sense. I'll keep my thoughts in my prayers. Yeah, keep thinking about me. have you stopped thinking about me? How rude. Isn't it weird? I never say that. You'll never hear me say, you're in my thoughts. What good is that do? Yeah, I think about you sometimes. (laughs) Fantastic. Appreciate that. We're so kind, aren't we? I mean, that is evidence of the spirit right there. If somebody tells you, you're in my thoughts, obviously the spirit of Jesus is inside of them. Jesus loves you so much, he cannot just pray for you. I propose to you today that the people, if you really want to pray for someone, don't just pray for them. Jesus loves you way too much just to keep you in his thoughts and purse. So you know what he did? He demonstrated the very words, the very words that, that he prayed. Watch what happens. Jesus just a few hours after making this prayer in John 17, by the way, somewhere probably around 12 hours later, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less, it is believed pretty close to this prayer, Jesus was crucified and hung on a cross within 24 hours of making this prayer for you. Oftentimes, we conclude conversations with people who we love. I'll pray for you. Yet Jesus said, I'll do a little more than just pray. I'll demonstrate it. I'll do it. Father, may their love, may the love that you have for me be in them. May my spirit be in them. And my spirit can't get to them unless I do what I'm about to do. So I'm going to be the answer to the very prayer I'm making. Here I am. Send me. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word demonstrate means to, to teach two things. It means teach by combining. Demonstration is to teach by combining and comparing. Simply put, in other words, Jesus didn't just pray for us to be one. He unified us when he went to the cross. I pray they would be one. So here I am giving my life so they will be one. I'm not just praying they become one. I'm going to make them one under My cross. I want them to be with me, Father, where I'm going. So I am going to make a way for them. Jesus didn't just demonstrate his love through his words. He demonstrated his love through his actions. Here's the bottom line I want you to know today. Prayer begins with words. It does. And it is carried out. Through our actions. And the word carried out through actions, it's oftentimes through our very own actions. The work of the cross began with prayer. Amen. John 17. The Garden of Gethsemane, where he also prays that the couple pass over him. When Jesus, before he was baptized, was praying and heaven was opened. So Jesus is in prayer. In fact, he's, I believe, he's also praying for us right now. Interceding, the Father is, for you and for me. Going to the Father, interceding, for you and for me. He's still praying, and His Spirit prays. Didn't Paul say that sometimes we don't know what to say, the Spirit prays for you? So Christ is still praying for you, even now. And His Spirit comes and prays for you, still. And what He's praying for is still the same very thing that you would know the Father's love for you, so that the world would know his love for the Son. So they would know the love of God for them. Still the same prayer today. Prayer is not only a means of asking God to act. It is also a means of asking God to give us the opportunity to act. Did you hear that? So think about what you pray for. I remember one of the greatest mistakes, but also the best decision I ever made in my life was asking God to make me a man of faith. Did you hear what I just said? Okay, if you're not quite sure of what I said, go ask God to make you a person of faith. (laughs) Ha! Oh man. He will give you plenty of opportunity to test your faith. So if you don't want to have to be tested for faith, don't ask for it. That's what I've learned. Because he will give you opportunity. Amen? Amen. For all the people who've grown in their faith, has God ever tested you in your faith? Raise your hand so the church sees you. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) Consider it pure joy. We all consider it pure joy. You know why James said consider it pure joy? Because he knew that you wouldn't. So he's reminding you. Remember? Consider it joyful. Oh yeah, that's right, Jesus. I prayed for faith. Yeah, I want more faith. Amen. Prayer is the first step. It's not the final step. We pray as we move into action. Moses was told, you're going to get the promised land. Joshua, take the land. Amen, God. But we're going to stay right here. Give us the land in the name of Jesus. We will not move, but we will have the land. No, Joshua said, I've got to move in faith, in action, as I pray for what you have for us. Action. A great quote by Frederick Douglass said, I prayed for freedom for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. It was too good not to put up. That's how I'm finishing the message today. Because as a church body, I believe we shall not be a church that just prays. A church that prays, but also a church of action. One of our core values in our church, and I share it every year when we talk about compassion, is that we're people of action. And I didn't want to put we're people of compassion because I thought that that would signal that somehow we're people who care. We're people who keep you in our thoughts. We're compassion. We're empathetic sometimes, even. The reason we put the word action is because compassion comes from a Greek word, spagnesimai, which I have told you about many times. Spagnesimai means to have a movement in your bowels. So one of our core values is we are people who have movements in our bowels. <laughs> and everyone that has a movement in their bowels say amen. amen. Why did I hear not people didn't say amen? <laughs> What's your secret? You know, what are you, anyways, it's interesting. So the reason why splagnesiumi was used in Greek language was because it would be to have something like stuck like this in your gut, like this emotional, deep sense, this thing. You might say, I have a gut feeling. They say, i got got It's It's in here. And it carried the idea that there's got to be an action involved. I can't sit back and do nothing. This is not something I can just pray about and then keep moving on. I've got to get involved in some way. I've got to do something about this. It's not, it's, it's, it's it's pity. It's, it's where, it's where it starts. It's right here in the gut. And and it twists my stomach. you ever had your stomach hurt because of something you see that you couldn't stand and just got to you. When Jesus was moved with compassion, notice the word there, moved. He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep who had no shepherd. And the next thing that Jesus did was become the good shepherd. And he walked by them and healed them in diseases of all kinds and ministered to them and reached out and touched them. Reach out and touch. Come on, 80s. Reach out. Do you know the song, the 80s? Reach out, reach out, touch. Is that? There you see. Come on, man. Thank you. Thank you. For being a sinner with me, listening to secular music, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. He bailed me out. <laughs> I didn't know that song. A right. great song. Hey, great song. Um, reached out and he touched him because he was moved with compassion—real compassion. Shows action. It shows action every time. You want to be a compassionate person? Lord, give me compassion. Then start showing action. Because real compassion actually shows action. In other words, don't be a person who says, make me a person who keeps people in my thoughts. Lord, make me a person who does something about the things that I see. So as a church, we're people of action. And if brave is your home, I just want you to know you are signing up to be a person of action. You are not signing up to be a person who just keeps people in their thoughts and prayers and prayers. And we are praying church. That's great, but that is not where it ends. To be part of this body is to be a church of action. That we do the best with what we have, which is another core value, by the way. That we always do our best. That is to say, we steward whatever God gives us to the best of our ability. And we believe that whatever God gives us is enough to do whatever he's called us to do. And we will do for one what we wish we could do for everybody people of action.